0: Welcome everyone to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at the Score, and today's episode is presented by Head and Shoulders. Offense for great hair, defense against flakes. We are back in the groove. Week one prep is underway here, and we've got Mike Tagliere, of Fantasy Pros set to join us today to give us his insight on some of the biggest questions that fantasy managers are going to be facing on this week's slate. So get excited for that. Tags has been a great friend of the show. We're happy to have him back yet again. Before we bring him in though, just a reminder, with the season back, you should be subscribed to the show on whatever podcast platform you use. And if you like what you're hearing, give us a rating, give us a review. And big thanks to everybody who's done that recently, like d 8 Frenchie Canuck, wheezy eight wheeze all in the last week or so we appreciate that and while you're at it check out some of the other fantastic shows on the score podcast network like expand the zone pound the rock sweeper keeper just to name a few all right let's get tags in here he is the one and only mike Taglier. you can find all his work over at fantasy pros and you can find him on twitter at mike Taglier nfl tags it has been a long and very odd off season in a million different ways it must feel good to be publishing your big article, the primer, looking at every player, every matchup for Week One. It must feel good to actually be putting that up now. Since there was legitimately a time when we felt like we might not get a Week One in 2020.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, I, I think with you and I, no matter how much work we have to put in, no matter how many words I write, it doesn't matter. If football wasn't here, my life would be miserable. So, in the grand scheme of things, this is nothing to us. And I hate to, I hate to break down the mood here and say. I'm not the one and only Mike Tagliere, which is pretty funny because uh, it, it was back when, it, like you ever see the movie Wanted? Uh, it was with Angelina yeah, Jolie yeah. back in the day, right? And that that kid had Googled his name and he's and nothing came up. There were no results. And I did that same thing after that movie. I was like, what happened if I if I typed in my name? And it was a realtor uh, somewhere so, on California. And I was like, I'm going to make it my goal to actually be, uh, I'm going to make a name for myself. And I want to be the, the result that pops up when you go to Google. I'm happy to say that I have finally done that and um, I don't see the realtor anymore, but uh, I think it's pretty cool uh, that you said the one and only. So I'm going to take that because if you search on Google, you're actually going to find me now.
0: Nice. Well, it reminds me of a couple of weeks ago we had on John Daigle of Roto World and he was talking about, oh, he's still at not John Daigle or not not Jay Daigle, sorry, on Twitter. And that he's been trying to get that and unsuccessfully for a while here. So at least you were able to actually become the, the top result there on Google. Accomplish the goal.
1: <laughs> well, I appreciate that.
0: Well, it is great to actually have football games to talk about now. Uh, we'll start with some news items for week one here. Kind of all ties in. Bruce Arians says that Leonard Fournette will have, quote, a solid role in week one. That is about as ambiguous as it gets, and we know coming from Arians, he kind of has a history of saying some things about his running backs, and we don't know whether it's true or not. But if you read a little further, Arians said that Fournette's picking up the offense fast, but he's still going to be limited to situational work this week. So, Tags, we're starting off in your wheelhouse here because I know you are a big Ronald Jones supporter. And just when it looked like he was going to have a chance to be a potential star in a stacked offense, now he's got more competition. In addition to, you have LaShawn McCoy, maybe even Keyshawn Vaughn factoring in on passing downs during the season. So we can focus on this week, but I'd like to get your take too, just on the rest of the season. How are you approaching that Bucks backfield?
1: Yeah, I think Keyshawn Vaughn's the forgotten man. I don't think that he's going to have a role. He might be actually inactive on some game days. I don't see him playing much at all outside of special teams. Uh, when they kept LaShawn McCoy, it kind of said a lot about the development or lack thereof of development uh, with Keyshawn Vaughn. So he's someone that I would not worry about. LaShawn McCoy, we've kind of seen who he is the last couple of years. He's just hanging around in the league. Um, that, that role will fade. This is going to come down to Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. And my worry is that it's going to be a situation like it was last year with Jones and Barber. Uh, Fournette is a much better running back than Barber. And I think that Fournette actually got into a boring running back that can't do much uh, just because he played for the Jaguars offense. You know, everyone talks about all the time, running backs don't matter and this and that. Well, so if they don't matter, then why are you going to harp on Fournette and say that he's not good at football because he was just in a crappy system this entire time? Uh, I'm not saying that the Bucks are going to be a team that's going to run the ball great, especially this week. This week, if I can, I'm probably going to avoid this backfield. Uh, the Saints Last year, like against with these two teams, they totaled in both games combined, the two games combined, they combined for 76 rushing yards on 24 carries, I think it was. So that was between Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber. Now, they did score a touchdown in one of the games, but this Saints defense is legit. Uh, they're a team that I do believe is a Super Bowl contender. I think they can contend if they make it to the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. Uh, it's just built, they're, they're a team built to win now, and it's going to be a rough timeshare to predict here. So I, I, uh, I mean, the Saints, here's a stat I have in the primer. They faced just 17.8 carries per game last year. That was the lowest in the NFL. They allowed just 3.6 yards per attempt. So when you look at that and you say, okay, if it's a mess, and let's say Ronald Jones gets 10 carries and Fournette gets seven, that doesn't mean you want to start those guys. So um, this is like really, I'd say Ronald Jones is probably the better start as like a low-end RB3, but ideally I'm just avoiding this until I see how everything shakes out. Let's look at the Jags backfield
0: that Fournette left behind. And it's a very interesting situation because you have this rookie UDFA now, James Robinson, who is listed as the starter on the first depth chart the team released. And we have to say, these team depth charts, you can't pay that much attention to them because often we see some wacky things on there. And it's not necessarily indicative of what's going to happen when the game kicks off in week one. But there's been a pretty steady drumbeat over the last week or two for Robinson. And I talked about it on the last couple of shows. You have Chris Thompson saying that Robinson has the best vision of the group. You have Doug Marone saying that Robinson can be a three down back. He also included a Zigbo in that as well. Mm -hmm. You have Dave Caldwell, the GM saying that Robinson allowed them kind of to release Fournette, that it made that decision easier. And you still have Chris Thompson, who is going to get a lot of the passing down work. He's the most familiar with Jay Gruden's scheme. You have Zigbo, who I mentioned there, you know, he got a decent amount of press during camp, like he performed well, but it sounds like maybe Robinson performed even better than him. Now, last night, Tags, in one of my home leagues, somebody took James Robinson in the seventh round last night. I think that is crazy. Mm-hmm. And I like Robinson. I mean, in our dynasty league together, I picked him up, but it's crazy because we don't know what the ceiling is for this Jags rushing attack. This is a team that's expected to be near the bottom of the league, so it's something we have to pay attention to. We know we got to chase opportunity where we can find it. Where do you stand with these Jags backs? And you can feel absolutely
1: free to crush my friend that took him in the seventh round last night. <laughs> I mean that that's a little bit much, but I, I did. I have paid attention to this because obviously when you when you see they cut Fournette and then. Recquel Armstead was on IR he was on IR with the covid list or whatever um during that time and they said the reason they cut fournette is because they felt competent with the running backs they had on the roster which meant they liked someone that was behind armstead and it seems like it's James Robinson even though ozigbo is someone that's also popping up in conversations the issue is that Chris Thompson, has already been brought there he came with Gruden right he's a guy that's going to have a role he's averaged seven to ten touches per game over the last three years so he's not going to go away and he's going to get the most valuable work on this team because this is a team that defense has been decimated like that it's it's a horrendous defense it's going far away from the defense it was just a couple years ago and you're going to find this team in negative game scripts an awful lot and it's one of those reasons I like Gardner Minshew this year there's going to be a lot of scrambling there's going to be a lot of pass attempts uh DJ Chark there's a reason that he's moving up everybody's bored so it's like you have to you start to wonder, if Chris Thompson's getting 7-10 to 10 touches per game, and then Robinson and Ozigbo are fighting for the other, let's call it 12 touches, 13 touches, we need one of them to step forward as the, the primary back in this offense, and I, I just don't know if it's going to happen, especially if Armstead finally comes back, because that's a guy they actually drafted, uh, whereas James Robinson's an undrafted free agent. It's more of like one of those situations, you take a flyer, and you say, I'm going to see what happens in week one, if it's a mess, I'm just going to drop them, I'm going to cut them, because there's really not much value, because they're really not in scoring opportunities that much. Even if you go back to last year, uh Leonard Fournette, I mean, he scored what, what was it, two, three rushing touchdowns, and he had 100 percent of the Jaguars carries inside the, the five yard line.
0: Yeah, and I'm with you on the flyer thing, right? And I think it's the same way I'm approaching like the Patriots backfield. Like you can normally get these guys outside of the top ten rounds, yep. at least the top nine rounds. I mean the, the seventh round is crazy and like I said, but if you can get these guys later, throw them on the end of your bench. Let's see what happens in week one, week two. And then you can go from there and maybe you end up finding the guy. Maybe Robinson ends up having, I, I joked that like he could be the Alfred Morris of this year, Alfred Morris's rookie season. I don't mm. think he's going to have that many yards, but he could be this guy that kind of just emerges before week one and all of a sudden ends up being the starter. It's possible. We could see that. Uh, one more news item here, and it's more of a dynasty story, but Kareem Hunt signing a two-year extension with the Browns. So Any hope that we had that he would move on after this year, that Nick Chubb would be the lone guy in that Browns backfield. Now they're going to be sharing the work for a few more years here. What do you think that means for Chubb's value in in 2021, even beyond that? Because obviously if they're doing this, they like Hunt quite a bit and they plan to use him.
1: Yeah, it, this was a situation where when they assigned a second-round tender to Hunt, it was like okay, you know that they have him on the cheap. It, it makes sense to hang on to him right now, especially with Stefanski coming in, knowing that he used multiple running backs there. Even though they had Dalvin Cook in a primary role, uh, but Kareem Hunt is obviously much closer. The, the, the talent gap between Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison is much further apart than it is between with Nick Hunt or Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Uh, So when I saw this extension, the first thought was, damn, we are never going to get to see Nick Chubb in that workhorse role again. Uh, We saw it for one year and we know he could have been special. He still is a special running back. He's a great one, two down back. He can get it done on third down. Like, like you, if there's an injury, but this is the one situation that we've talked about in fantasy. It was one of those things that I said, If you look at all the starters in the first round the only one the only backup that would have more value than the starter is kareem hunt if nick chubb were to be missing time and it goes to show just how talented that kareem hunt is uh and i think people are jumping the gun a little bit here with this whole browns offense and saying that they're going to be stefanski it's going to be the vikings and they're going to run the ball 32 and a half times per game there's plenty to go around well, one, the Browns' defense is not the Vikings. That's let's just get that out of the way. Uh, they have no linebackers there. They've had some injuries in the secondary. There's a lot of there's a lot of issues with that Browns' defense right now. Uh, on top of that, the offensive line they have two new pieces, including the bookends, the right and left tackle. We don't know how that's going to work. Uh, you know, we have a rookie coming in there to play left tackle. I guess uh, Jack Conklin's playing right tackle. He's fine but at the same time the titans are the this is one of those underrated things about derrick henry and why he's so damn good the titans are the only team in the nfl who have given their running backs less than one yard before contact in each of the last two seasons so jack conklin clearly wasn't elite at right tackle and then on top of that, you have to go further and say Stefanski was the offensive coordinator there in Minnesota last year, but how much did Gary Kubiak have to do with what was taking place? And I do believe that Kubiak was like one of the like one of the big brains behind that. Now, it probably helps Stefanski to learn that, but I do, I'm not so quick to say that this, run, this offense is going to be able to support two running backs because they're going to run the ball 400 plus times. I don't know. I don't know if that's true because I don't know if Stefanski is actually the mind behind that offense. So, um, Nick Chubb. I'll take him as a value at the end of the second round, uh, mid-late second round, but I'll take guys like <clears throat> uh, Kenyon Drake over him, I'll take Miles Sanders over him, I'll take Josh Jacobs, Austin Eckler, and um, obviously the tight ends. So basically I'm getting into the late second round is where I'd feel comfortable with him, and his ADP right now is is borderline the end of first round, beginning of second. So. Unfortunately, this drags down the value for Chubb in dynasty and in redraft. And on top of that, Kareem Hunt's value, I think, takes a hit because Nick Chubb's not going away. So it sucks because this is Nick Chubb's most valuable years as a running back. You know, those first four or five years in the league. So um, it sucks to say to say the least. It's good for Cleveland, but uh, it's bad for fantasy football. I think I might be a
0: little more hopeful than you. And one of the big things is the offensive line, because I know you can maybe shoot down some of those additions, but it can't get worse than last year. Like the line might've been the reason that that whole offense failed. You could blame the coaching staff as well, but the line there was was really bad Mm -hmm. last year. So to bring in those guys, I think that's only going to be a boost for the rushing attack there. And last year, you know, when we saw Kareem Hunt come back, both those guys were in the top 20 for fantasy and PPR formats, right? He had Chubb as the RB15 and Hunt as the RB17. So right now, I kind of have them ranked around there. Going into this week, I have Chubb as a high-end RB2. I have Hunt as sort of that RB2, RB3 range. So we'll see how it works out. But I do have some hope that maybe both these guys could be fantasy starters, even if Hunt only ends up being like a a flex, but yeah, down the road, I mean, dynasty wise, it's just devastating because I was even debating somebody, I forget who owns him in our dynasty league, but they had put him on the trade block, uh, Hunt that is. And I was like, maybe I should go get him right next year. He could get on another team. And if he does, this guy's a a top 10 back. Well, I am very glad that I did not do that. Uh, Let's move on to some of the specific questions for week one here. And I want to start off with rookie running backs. We talked about one of them a second ago with James Robinson. He's one of surprises for sure going into week one as far as playing time goes. At the top of these rookies, we got Clyde Edwards Hilaire. He's making his debut on Thursday night. And in that Chiefs offense, I mean, he is set up to produce. Whatever you think, if you think he's gonna split the work a little bit, he doesn't need 30 touches in order to put up big fantasy stats. He's the kind of guy that could produce on, you know, 12, 15 touches. I think he's fine. I think we could kind of exclude him from this question. I am curious, though, if you look at all these other rookie runners, Jonathan Taylor and Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, Antonio Gibson, Zach Moss, there's so many. I'm probably even forgetting someone notable there, but all of them seem to have at least some question marks about their usage, about the competition in their backfields, something Which one of these guys, not named C.E.H., like I said, Mm -hmm. which one of them do you expect to have the biggest debut in week one, despite those question marks that some people have?
1: Jonathan Taylor. Uh, What's going to happen in week one is people are going to say, how did we let this guy fall in drafts? And uh, I actually made a bet this morning. Uh, I'm not, I'm not the gambling. I'm more of a DFS guy, but the sports book opened here in Illinois. And then someone posted, uh, it was from fantasy pros, uh, Mike Randall, I think it was, uh, he posted um, a prop bet and it was Jonathan Taylor, uh, the over under that I was able to get. I think it was 700 rushing yards in the year. And I was like, "Uh, sign me up. So I actually went in and did that. Uh, so, basically, Jonathan Taylor is a guy that I, I think we're all going to look back and say, why did we allow Marlon Mack to worry us? You know, you don't draft someone like Jonathan Taylor, a workhorse at Wisconsin who racked up, you know, I think it was over, I don't it may have been over a thousand carries in the three years that he was there. Um, it was ridiculous. Like, he has a lot of miles on his tires and running backs when they come into the NFL, when they're on their rookie contract, that's when you need to get the most out of them. You know, I've done studies on running backs in terms of what age did they decline. Once they walk into the league, that's their prime. Like, legitimately, get them on the field, get them going, and every Everything is fine. Um, uh, Marlon Mack is a guy that hasn't been able to stay on the field. This is the best offensive line in football. And are we worried that he's not going to, uh, get the targets in the passing game? Yeah, a little bit. That's going to cap his upside. So the way that I view Jonathan Taylor was he's a discounted Nick Chubb. All right. So Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines might make up for what Kareem Hunt's going to do, but Jonathan Taylor, you are able to get constantly in a fourth round, sometimes fifth round, a couple, like a month or so ago, uh, he's moved up a little bit, but the reason I say this is, uh, the Jaguars in week one, this is a chance for him to kind of to make a statement and say, this is my backfield, and I'm not giving it up. Uh, Calais Campbell's a, a guy that's gone off that defensive line. Marcel Darius is gone. Uh, when Campbell was off the field for the Jags last year, running backs averaged 5.76 yards per carry. Um, and then if you look at just overall the entire season, the Jags allowed 205 total yards per game to running backs. That actually allows multiple running backs to produce uh, in this game. I'm expecting 15 touches for Jonathan Taylor in this game, and I am going to play him as an RB2. And honestly, I got to my rankings this week, and I don't know who I'd rather start, Nick Chubb or Jonathan Taylor. I I, I want to say Taylor. I, think it's, I understand it's kind of like a hot take thing, but when you have Nick Chubb going against a team like Baltimore, who is just brutal for running backs, him obviously sharing that workload, uh, or Jonathan Taylor against Jacksonville in a team in a, a game that really I don't want to say it's a non-contest but running behind that offensive line against that defense that was constantly allowing you know top 10 running back performances at the end of the year I like Taylor a lot this week And the Colts defense is better. It's going to help them get into more positive
0: game scripts. Like, yeah, I'm with you. I've been screaming from the rooftops to take Jonathan Taylor. He was going in the third round. He was even going in the fourth round a few weeks back. I was screaming to take him there. Even like when James Conner moved up into that late second round ADP wise, I thought Conner should be right there with him. So uh, I love that you're saying that. I'll stick with the rookie theme for this next one because we didn't get a preseason. So, we're walking into week one without having seen these guys on an NFL field yet. And it feels strange. I'll tell you, I mean, I'm not loving this from a rankings perspective because one thing that I love assessing during the preseason is the rookie class. That's the first chance we get to see them up against NFL talent. Mm-hmm. But what about Joe Burrow? He gets to start in week one here with no warm up games. By all accounts, he's been looking great in Bengals practices. Now, I wonder if some of that is their defense not being very good, so maybe he's taking advantage of that. But it's also possible that we're dealing with a potential star here at the position, right? He was a first overall pick. He has been performing in these practices without A.J. Green a lot of the time, too. Green's been dealing with a hamstring issue, though. They're saying that he's going to be a full go for week one, so presumably that will help Burrow as well do you see burrow just erupting onto the fantasy scene in week one what are you expecting for him
1: no unfortunately the matchup just doesn't allow for it uh i could see it in some ways uh against another team but against the chargers i mean there were just three quarterbacks all of last year who totaled more than 16.5 fantasy points against the chargers and all of them had to average at least 9.7 yards per attempt in those matchups uh i think joe burrow's gonna be fantastic i really do and he's like he's the most pro ready quarterback i've seen since andrew luck and uh he's a guy that has so many different weapons right like john ross you can't leave him you can't not tilt your coverage his way because he will beat a man one-on-one with four two speed it just it happens um and if you go if for, for those of you who are listening. Thing and saying, "Oh, John Ross sucks. You know he's not good at football." I, I urge you to to get NFL Game Pass. Go and watch the All 22 film. And you'll see john ross constantly get open down the field and andy dalton simply just missed him he or he, he he didn't it's either he targeted him and missed him or he just didn't see him open at all john ross is a good football player uh he could stretch the field he that's why i like him over t higgins as the number three receiver it's what they do to that offense right and then you have aj green a guy who yes is he getting older but he's still one of the best talented wide most talented wide receivers in the nfl and then you have tyler boyd as that possession valve valve receiver over the middle of the field with joe mixon out of the backfield a guy that there's just so many weapons in the this offense i really don't know how you game plan against them because most times we talk about it and we say bill belichick's a smart man he's going to take away what you do best and he's going to attack what you do worst. and the Bengals have so many different options in this offense that it's really difficult like i i can usually when i write these games up i say this is what a team should be doing and this and that I don't know what you do. I I think you have to put pressure on Burrow. But the thing is, the reason I like him so much is because he's so calm under pressure. That was one of the things I loved about him: is that he does not overreact to pressure. Justin Herbert's the exact opposite. Uh, But Burrow does rush for some yards, and that's going to be something that fantasy owners see throughout the year. But in this matchup, it's first game in the NFL, no preseason action. I would imagine that Zach Taylor. It's going to take it somewhat easy on him. Obviously, on the Chargers side of the ball, you have Tyrod Taylor. So, it's two teams going through a massive change here. I think it's going to be a little bit slower pace than we would like. So, this is one week where I'm not going to recommend Burrow, but obviously, he plays well. I mean, he's someone that I want to have on my bench. If you're going to carry two quarterbacks, he's definitely one of them. Well, and Burrow's
0: a good example of how there's some really big reveals coming in week one here, because we had that limited offseason. All 32 teams finally on the field. Is there a a player or a team in particular that you're interested in seeing how they're going to look in week one?
1: I want, I mean, honestly, it's passing offense in general. Uh, last time that we had some sort of off season strike or, or no preseason, uh, not no preseason, but no training camps and stuff like that. Teams were behind on defense and it led to massive numbers. That was the year. I think it was 2012, I think, uh, where, you know, there were three quarterbacks that threw for 5,000 yards that year. I legitimately think that Patrick Mahomes is going to break a record this year. Um, That's why Mahomes is my guy in terms of, like, um, you know, number one quarterback. And if you want to spend a third-round pick on him, I have no issue with it. I I know most people have drafted by now, but I think Mahomes is going to explode this year. The team has had – like, when we talk about this offseason and what every team has had to go through, there's a lot of teams going through changes. We had a lot of coaching changes, whether it be defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, head coaches. There were a lot of quarterback – there's a lot of quarterback movement in general, uh, more than a typical offseason. So there's a lot of teams going through – many changes where the teams that actually have stable uh they have a lot of returning players this chief's offense is the exact same you know they lost one uh, offensive lineman who was not particularly good uh one of their interior linemen uh so th- i mean i'm just excited to watch football to be honest uh i want to see i did I, I, one of the specifics i guess is that i'm curious to see if home field advantage exists uh in teams that don't have you know, fans there. There's something to be said about familiarity with a stadium and where landmarks are and understanding those things, uh, knowing which way the wind funnels, you know, um, all that stuff. But I, it's just going to be different to see a team, like teams playing in front of a stadium with no, with no, with no fans in football. I think that stuff carries more than it does in a sport like baseball. I mean, going back to Mahomes, like last season, he very well might have put up
0: huge numbers again. He got hurt early in the year. He missed some time. Like People forget that when you look at his year-end stats, right? Like I know regression was coming for him after the 2018 year, but this is a guy that yeah, he's going to be right up near the top every season. And he has that 50 touchdown potential every single year. I agree with you there. Uh, One team that I think people are excited to see is the Seahawks. And part of that is this whole let Russ cook thing. Mm -hmm. We all know Russell Wilson, he can produce, but they keep wanting to lean on the run in Seattle. And they only really take to the air when they're trailing in the fourth quarter late in games and comeback mode. And when that happens, Russ tends to go off in real life and in fantasy. And even Wilson himself this offseason chimed in on the whole let Russ cook idea. So maybe the coaching staff's going to take notice of that. Either way, I mean, they might not have a choice here. They're on the road in Atlanta week one, fourth highest point total of the week. We know this Falcons offense can be explosive Is there a chance that we see Seattle open it up in Atlanta? And then after that, I mean, Seattle gets New England in week two. They get Dallas in week three. And that Cowboys game especially, that could be a shootout. So this one is simple, Tags. Are we going to see Russ Cook?
1: (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I hope so. I really do. I mean, this is – it's a travesty that he has never received an MVP vote. I was talking to my brother-in-law the other day, and he goes – he goes, no, that's not true, is it? I said, I swear, he has never received an MVP vote, and it's it's terrible. Um, this is a guy that deserves an MVP. He's one of the best quarterbacks that I've ever watched play. Uh, here's a stat for you. I actually I was reading an article earlier, and I was I could not believe it. Uh, the Seahawks, since Russell Wilson, uh, since his rookie season, the Seahawks, when they are uh, they're leading by four or more points at halftime, the Seahawks are 57 and 0, including playoffs. Russell Wilson does not lose a lead. Like that's basically what you're 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 finding out here. Uh, if they're up by four at halftime, it's it's a, it's a win. Um, I don't know why they don't want to be more up more at halftime. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> they're a team that throws the ball. In that same article, they were talking about the Seahawks throw the ball um, on average of forty percent of the time in the first quarter, whereas like someone like the Chiefs, they throw it seventy percent of the time in the first quarter. Uh, Russell Wilson has carried that team for a long time, and if and if Russell Wilson wasn't on that team. I think you would see it as a team that was in contention for the number one overall pick in the draft. I really do. I think that's how good he is. Um, that offensive line has been bad for a long time. The defense has shifted towards really bad. You know, when they had Legion of Boom, that's why they went to the Super Bowl because they had the best of both worlds. But um, do I think they let him? I think they're. I think we're going to see it slowly leak. Because um, before Brian Schottenheimer came to town, every year it seemed like Russell Wilson was getting more and more pass attempts, and then for whatever reason, it's like you know we need to go back to a run first offense. And then they started over with Schottenheimer, and we saw the number increase. Over, oh, I think we're going to see the number increase again in year two as he gets more comfortable. Obviously, having DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, uh, Greg Olson, Will Disley, you know, Josh Gordon, whatever he gets back on the field, they've surrounded him with guys that they they feel like he can do more with. But man, I just feel for Russell Wilson. I I want to see him throw because if he if we see him throw to drop back, let's call it if he may, if he throws the ball 575 times, he will contend for the number one quarterback in fantasy. And we saw it last year, I mean,
0: the inconsistency that can happen with him, right? Because of the dependence on these game scripts and how it unfolds, through the first nine weeks, he averaged the second most fantasy points per game among quarterbacks behind Lamar, and then from week 10 on, he disappeared. He was quarterback 27 in points per game from that point on. So that's the world we're living in, I think, unfortunately, in my opinion. Until something changes, and I don't feel like I've seen enough to be confident that it's going to change. He's so good, though, that he's still a top five, top six fantasy quarterback. It just holds back that ceiling from allowing him to potentially contend with like Lamar and Mahomes and put up those elite numbers or even a quarterback one season here for a whole year. And it sucks. Hopefully we're going to get to see him actually throw the ball around a little more because, yeah, Lockett, Mecca, it helps them too for fantasy. We want to see those guys hit their ceilings as well, and they're not going to do that unless the Seahawks open it up a little bit. I mentioned the Cowboys there a second ago. Their offense is absolutely loaded this year. The Talent Cup just overflowing in Dallas. So you want to get pieces of that offense. The tough part here is how do you approach these receivers? There's plenty of vacated targets. Randall Cobb, Jason Witten leaving. So there's lots to go around for Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, CD Lamb, even tight end Blake Jarwin. But I want to focus on the receivers specifically. Amari did miss some practice last week, though they called it preventative. We'll have to keep an eye on that. Uh, Gallup seems to be just consistently underrated, and perhaps it's due to the talent around him in that Mm -hmm. offense. And apparently, Lamb has just been dominating in practices. They're saying he's come in as a rookie, looks like a veteran already superstar in the making there. So how are you ranking them for week one? Because I am not looking forward to this at all.
1: I said this uh, on our podcast. I said, you know, we've heard, obviously we know Amari Cooper's great when he's healthy. Well, he is. He's he's a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. Michael Gallup, we had Mike McCarthy call him. He's not, I don't know why people are calling him the wide receiver two. He's a wide receiver one. He's that good. Okay. So, and then we have CeeDee Lamb, a, a blooming superstar. And then we have Blake Jarwin, who is like going to set the world on fire. And he's, he's Travis Kelsey. He's George Kittle. He's whatever you want him to be someone is going to disappoint in this offense like really there someone's going to disappoint and i tend to believe it's the rookie um considering you know he has no game action cd lamb people forget that he's coming from a school where they didn't play a lot of good defenses and uh he was able to kind of like walk all over them now i'm not saying that cd lamb's not good i'm not saying that at all and i actually think that he probably has the best matchup on the field this week because the rams moved on from nickel roby coleman uh and went to darius williams a third year undrafted free agent he's played like 200 snaps in his career uh he's five nine hundred eighty seven pounds so cd lamb if he's playing in the slot like like they're telling us that he is then cd lamb has a really good matchup and meanwhile amari cooper is probably going to draw jalen ramsey you're going to see michael gallup match up with probably troy hill troy hill was not very good up until last year but we got to last year and he was like really good so it's like who is this guy um is he good or is he not uh the safety unit obviously they lost eric Weddle on the back end so There's a lot going on with the Rams, and I don't know if the Rams are going to be good or bad this year. They're one team where I just struggle with it, because on paper, I can see a lot of holes in that team, and I can say, this team might win six games, but at the same time, Sean McVay, offense is good enough. The defense has been competent, obviously, with Aaron Donald up front, that's going to help, but um, I'm I'm approaching it this way. Amari Cooper dealing with that undisclosed injury, whatever the hell it is. Uh, He's a boom bust wide receiver two, wide receiver three this week. I'm not excited about him. Jalen Ramsey, they played last year. Ramsey, so... I think Amari got hurt in that game Uh, I went back and watched it he had two targets they both came in the first like six minutes of the game and uh he caught one for 19 yards took a big hit from Jalen Ramsey and then didn't get targeted the rest of the game so I I wonder if there was something there um Gallup mid to low end wide receiver three um and CD Lamb is he's the boom bust guy right he's a boom bust wide receiver four he has the best matchup on the field but I just can't say that I'm gonna I'm gonna play it very cautious with rookie rookie players uh wide receivers in general uh in their first game because again these guys have had zero zero preseason action this is their first step on an nfl field there's going to be a lot of you know like a lot of nerves going through their body yeah, a lot they, of they, adrenaline yeah they may want to ease them into game action and obviously there are other options on this team who can do work everybody else in that team has done work between gallup cooper jarwin zeke even tony pollard for example so i think there i think i would if I'm the coach, I'm not going to say, C.D. Lamb, we're going to target you 12 times in this first game because you have the best matchup. So I'm going to play a little bit safe. But if you have a another player on your roster that you're sitting there looking at and saying it's like a Henry Ruggs or something like that, that's when you look at the matchups and it, you let it determine whatever. But if you have like someone like Will Fuller and C.D. Lamb, you're not going to sit Will Fuller for C.D. Lamb. I have them ranked in the, the same range
0: as you. I just, I don't feel very confident about it. And Correct. I will admit that. And it wouldn't shock me if it's just a a shuffle up and deal type situation where the cards come out different every single week and we have a new guy leading the pack. And maybe that doesn't even mean any of them disappoint us on the year. Maybe at the end of the year, they all put up pretty good numbers, but the consistency maybe, you know, each week, one guy kind of disappoints, but overall at the end, it ends up being fine. I think the real play here is to get Dak as well and get Dak with one or maybe two of these guys. And then you don't have to worry as much about which receiver to start, right? Uh, it's it's going to be a tough one, but man, that is going to be a fun offense to watch this season. Uh, we'll get you out of here on this. Uh, we do this for all our weekly preview shows. Which player or players, if you want to name more than one, do you think are being overlooked heading into week one?
1: I'm going to go really deep for you on this one. Uh, I want to go deeper as well. Let's do it. And it's for a streamer, uh, for streaming purposes. Like let's say you have a quarterback who has a terrible matchup, like a Joe Burrow. Mitch Trubisky is going to have a good week one. Um, oh, no, I, 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 I kid you not. And I and it's weird because I don't want the listeners having a lasting memory of Mitch sucks. But if I want to be real about it, I he's played three games against Matt Patricia's defense under Matt Nagy. Uh, the results of those games, he had 355 yards and three touchdowns, another one rushing. So he had four touchdowns that game, 173 yards, three touchdowns passing. And then most recently uh, was 338 yards and three touchdowns with one interception. The Lions just lost Darius Slay. They lost Damon Harrison, a- Ashawn Robinson, uh, Devon Kennard. Like, they've lost a lot of players on that team. Now, they replaced him with some rookies that are, are, are pretty talented, like Jeff Okuda at number three overall. But let's not pretend that he's Darius Slay. Um, this team has really sucked when Darius Slay is not on the field. Uh, and Trubisky is, has played well even when Slay was on the field. Uh, there were just four quarterbacks last year. like this is this is a crazy stat. There are there are just four quarterbacks all of last year who failed to finish as a top 12 quarterback against the Lions. And two of them were rookies in their first four NFL starts. So I know it sounds crazy. But Mitch Trubisky, I do believe, is going to have a good Week One. I think he's he, he's obviously fighting for his career at this point. Um, they David Montgomery, even if he does play, he's probably not going to be a hundred percent. They're probably going to ease him in. They they may, they may go with like a West Coast type offense where they're just going to try and get Tariq Cohen the ball an awful lot. Anthony Miller is another one. Love like he's a wide receiver three this week. Um, Same, yeah. I would play him over C.D. Lamb. Uh, he his two best games, the two best games of Anthony Miller's career, have come against the Lions. So. Um, Trubisky is the one that I'm going to head out on, and I hope I look smart next week. <laughs> I, I think it all comes down to the rushing
0: ability, because with Trubisky, when we've seen him running the ball, he can be decent for fantasy, and we know the Lions have not been very good at stopping a rushing quarterbacks in the last couple of years, this defense, so that could put him on the map. All right, you, you convinced me a little bit there. I don't know how high I'm going to move him up the rankings, but all right, I'm a little more optimistic about him. <laughs> Uh, I'll toss out a couple and I'll I'll do the other positions. Uh, Joshua Kelly, I think is one. We've talked about these rookie backs. I wrote him up in my waiver wire column this week and I checked it again this morning. He's only rostered in 11% of Yahoo leagues. Oh. That is far too low for a player who got glowing reviews in Chargers camp, who is the favorite to be the number two there. And I talked about it in the article. I mean, you know, not that he's going to come in and be Melvin Gordon, but We saw last season, you can have multiple backs producing in this offense. A lot of things have changed. Phillip Rivers is gone. Yes, but he could put up some stats next to Austin Eckler against what I think, and I referenced it earlier, is a bad Bengals defense. Um, Henry Ruggs is somebody, it's kind of strange. I feel like I hear some people suggesting that he's getting hyped a lot. I don't feel like that's the case at all. I feel like most of the hype has gone to Brian Edwards in that offense, but I think Ruggs has the potential just to blow the doors off here with the speed to score from anywhere in the field. He's got the toughness to battle for contested catches. He's not the biggest guy, but he still can do that. And then he gets this Panthers defense. And this might be what you were alluding to earlier when you were talking about matchups and you mentioned Ruggs. This Panthers defense is in rebuild mode. Mm-hmm. Their offense is likely going to play up-tempo. So this game could be pretty intriguing for fantasy purposes. I think Ruggs is somebody who... This time next week, we might be talking about as a guy that, you know, you want to go out there and pick up if he's still available, a guy that you might want to look at playing. But the problem with him is after this week, he's got some real tough matchups. He gets the Saints and Marshawn Lattimore. He gets uh, Patriots and Stephon Gilmore. He gets the Bills and Tradavis White. Those are his next three weeks after this. So he might be somebody that you want to try to buy after this first month, but we might see a flash of it this week. Uh, Deshaun Jackson. He's still out there in 49% of leagues. This guy's the clear number one in Philly. You know, Jalen Rager hurt. Uh, You have Alshon Jeffrey out and he's getting this Washington team that he torched last year in the opener, eight catches, 154 yards and two touchdowns. So I have no idea why he's still available in almost half of leagues, but he's a guy you got to look at. And then Irv Smith, a little deeper at tight end here, but a guy who didn't get drafted in many leagues. I think he's 15% rostered. And I'm very interested to see what he does in this offense because with the reports that Justin Jefferson's taken some time to get acclimated to the pros, Smith might actually end up being the de facto number two receiver in that offense this year. So he's somebody that I don't think it's talked about enough. And maybe it's because he got overshadowed by Hawkinson and Fant in that draft class. But Smith has a chance to be a star for sure. And if he can step up, and we've talked about it in years past with somebody like Jared Cook last year in the Saints offense when they really didn't have a set number two receiver to rely upon, he kind of became that guy as the
1: tight end. We could
0: see something similar from Smith this week.
1: That's that, there's been chatter about that. And I I, I wonder, I really do I <sighs> It's so difficult because it's like some people are telling me like Adam Thielen's gonna see two hundred targets, and I can see that being a realistic thing. And then they're like BC Johnson. I'm like, come on, BC Johnson, really. <laughs> um, Irv Smith was like exactly the same as Kyle Rudolph last year in terms of uh, you know, if you look at their targets, receptions, yards, uh, red zone targets, all that stuff was so similar, but the only difference is that Kyle Rudolph scored a few more touchdowns, and with tight ends, there's so much progression over those first three years. They don't walk into the the league and they're in their prime like running backs. It's a, it's it's a position that takes typically three to five years for. Them to like develop into their own so um someone like gary kubiak hopefully you can find a way to use him more because irv smith is definitely a weapon and i i would say that he's probably the second best weapon in that offense right now considering jefferson took a while to come along uh and he he missed a couple weeks with the COVID um being on that list so yeah i mean that's an interesting one man i I need to look back at irv smith a little bit more i think well you're gonna have time now because that is all for today's show Make
0: sure you're reading Tag's primer every week. Make sure you're checking out all his content over at Fantasy Pros, including the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. Give him a follow on Twitter, like I said off the top at Mike Taglier, NFL. He's a fantastic analyst, he's a great dude, and Tag's. You know, I appreciate it. I appreciate it so much taking the time because this week is very, very busy. So for you to carve out some time and we're doing this early on Wednesday morning, I really appreciate oh, that. Dude,
1: it's it's always fun to talk football with you, man. I, I love talking football with guys that I can learn something from. Um, you're one of those guys, dude. I always look forward to our conversations. Um, so when you asked me to come on, I'm, I was more than happy to, you know, as long as I can carve out time to talk to you, man, I'm, I'm, I'm down to do it. Good stuff. As for me, you can check
0: out my rankings, which are up on the score. They're going to be updated throughout the week until kickoff. My waiver wire column went up on Monday. My weekly trade value chart should be up now by the time you're listening to this. And then start, sit, stash, quit for week one is gonna be published on Friday. I'll be back on Friday too for our weekly video chat at 1 p.m. Eastern where I'll be answering all your questions. But until then, big thanks again to Tags. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening. And we will see you next time. time.
1: Leave on time with me tonight, I said leave on time.